You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Our right way isn't always God's right way. You ever notice that? Our right way to do things is not always God's right way to, to, to do things. And, and we're going to see that from Scripture. But one of the things that stands out before I even go into the message is uh, several years ago I met with a couple. And they were, they were married and they were going through some problems, some issues. And, and so uh, I met with the husband and the wife and, and I listened to them. And, and the husband was adamant that he was right and that his wife and his children were wrong. And the wife really didn't say much about that. She said, you know, I'll try to change the things in my life that I'm not doing right, and I will work as hard as I can to be the wife that I need to be. And uh, he was just adamant, I'm right, and they're wrong. And so after meeting with him and listening to him, I, I, I listened to both sides, I, as we know, Everyone has a, a part to play in whatever problems we're having. Amen? We all fall short. And so, as I listened to both sides, I saw that, yes, he was right in a lot of areas, but there were a lot of areas where he was not right. And she actually was doing things very well uh, for that marriage to thrive. And, and, uh, and then so I, I let them meet with other very trusted counselors, and they met with them, and he was adamant that he was right and that they were wrong. He held on to that position no matter what anyone said. Well, sorry to say, he ended up losing his family, and he ended up losing his walk with God. And he ended up, I don't know his, where his faith is right now, but he took a shipwreck in his life because he was so adamant that he was right and everyone else was wrong. And can I tell you something? Sometimes our being right is really not right. God shows us that we fall short and that we don't always have all the right answers in our lives. And that sometimes we have to humble ourselves and hear the, 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 the voice of God <coughs> to become something to people that we can't be on our own. I saw a quote this week on the web, and, and it's very true in our, the way that we look at life and our life, uh, the decisions that we make in life. The quote is, it's not that I'm... It's not that I'm clearly not seeing your point. It's that I'm not seeing clearly. It's not that I'm not seeing your point right. It's just that I'm not seeing things right. I, I, I really can't see things for what they are. Sometimes in life, we don't see things clearly. Many times, our way of thinking is skewed. I love the song that they picked out, that last song that says, you know, sometimes I don't see things right. And we didn't talk about the song selections, but it goes right along with this. Um, 
So our, 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 our thinking is skewed and we don't see things as clearly as God does. And this can get in the way of our communicating the gospel to people around us. In fact, sometimes, and I'm just going by social media, sometimes I see such an adamant right way that you're putting up a wall for everyone else to be able to come to the gospel. Are you with me? When you're so adamant that your way is right, you will alienate people that need to hear the gospel. And we're going to look at that in Scripture. We're going to see that Peter had to move from his way of thinking into God's way of thinking. He had to go beyond Jerusalem and go into the Gentiles and preach the gospel to a man named Cornelius so that Cornelius could hear the good news. And it took a lot for Peter to step out of that box. How many of you know that we put boxes around ourselves? We don't get out of our boxes. We don't get out of our comfort. How many of you know that we put God in our boxes? We don't, put, we don't allow God to move outside of that box. God doesn't have any boxes. God is God. He's omniscient. means he knows everything. He's omnipotent. means he's all-powerful. Right? And then he's omnipresent. That means he's always everywhere. So we can't put God in a box. But I want us to read uh, uh, Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to read two verses. And then we're going to talk about this, this whole passage. So let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, every person that's here in this first service. I just pray your blessing upon each one that, that got up early and uh, are assembled here. We want to hear your voice. As you use me as your spokesman, I pray that your anointing will be upon every word that I say, that you, Holy Spirit, will empower it. Empower this message to change lives. Let us see things through your eyes, Lord God, and that includes myself. Um, all of us are on the same plane, and we just want to, we want to hear your voice, and we want to be your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So I'm going to read uh, chapter 10, verse 34 through 36. It says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And I think that's very, very important for us to start with because Peter is, after much arguing, he's speaking to a Gentile audience. It was the first time that they had gone beyond the Jews and gone and broken that wall of division. And so Peter, as he says this, it's because the Gentiles had been filled with the Holy Spirit in the same manner that the Jews were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They spoke in tongues. They were, they, they were uh, glorifying God. And Peter was not even done with his sermon. God was putting his stamp of approval saying, I am in control and I am for all people. So there's three things that I want to share from this, this passage that I think are, are important for us to, to grab a hold of, and uh, three points to help us see God's right way. 
The first point is don't allow your biases or your bias to become a stumbling block for the gospel. Don't allow your bias to become a, a wall and prevents the gospel from being shared. Unfortunately, when we are honest, we all have bias. Amen? We all have prejudice in us somewhere. It, it might have been ingrained through our families. It might have been ingrained through our culture. It might have been ingrained through our community. It might have been, it comes through, maybe through marriage, through different ways. But all of us are marred with the potential to be biased or prejudiced. And when that happens, it puts up a wall for the gospel to be preached to all men and all women. Amen? You ever had a thought like, I really don't think that that person or that person will ever uh, receive the gospel because they're this or they're that. Let's just, let's just be practical. You're, you're, you think about a, someone that's raised up in Islam and they're Muslim. They were raised that way. They never knew anything else. And so I see on Facebook people that post things about Muslims that are actually, in my opinion, hate posts. There's hatred in it. I don't see Jesus hating people. And yet, we put prejudice and bias because of a certain few that are doing some very horrible things in this world. But here's my question to you. Is Jesus desiring to save those people? Is Jesus desiring to save someone that is a, 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 a gangbanger that may be on the streets, that that's all they've known. They were raised up in a culture or they were raised up in a family where all they knew generational, uh, generationally, father, maybe even grandfather, son, all they knew is that they're in the gang and they're part of a family. Does God want to reach those people? So here's my question to you. Do we put walls up, walls of prejudice and bias that prevent us from sharing the gospel with people? I think we all do. And I think what the Lord really wants for us to, to grab a hold of is that Jesus told the first Disciples, He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's a promise. You're going to be filled with power from on high. And then he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then the, the, the literal says, and both in Judea, both in Jerusalem and Judea. So you're going to go from the city to the state. And then you're going to go into Samaria. And then you're going to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. But here's the, the, the reality. Let's just talk reality. The reality is that they heard it, but they were not intending to fulfill it. Because they got comfortable in their culture. They got comfortable in their place. 
Here, here's the thing, and, and you know, we talk about the bigs. We talk about how important the bigs are uh, at Living Word Chapel. The bigs are pretty simple. It's, we are very intentional to, to, uh, to make our Sunday morning worship experience the best it can be. The I stands for uh, we invite, uh, I mean, we, we um, what, is, what is the I? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> invest. Invest. <laughs> I should know this. I wrote them up. Invest one day a week to a small group, right? Invest one day a week to a small group. The G, give your family what they need. And what does our family need? They need our time. I think that our, 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 social, uh, our, our, our social problems come a lot from families being broken. And they need time. And then the, 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 the S is strive to make an impact in your community. Well, here's the thing that the church has been notorious to want to make an impact amongst our people, but we don't go beyond our people. Amen? And so it's the same thing that, 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 that Jesus, as he was communicating to the, to the apostles, he says, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to go forth. One of the things that will make us stagnant is that we become biased and we don't move from our comfort zone. How many of you know that the rubber needs to meet the road? We hear a lot, but when we hear it, we got to move. We got to put things into action. You know, um, Jesus always directs, and he always will give us confirmation. So with Peter, he gave him a vision, and he brought a blanket down, and it had all kinds of animals. Let me read it. It says, something that looked like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at its four corners settled on the ground, and every kind of animal and reptile and bird that you could think was on it. And then a voice came and, he, and said, Go to it, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter said, Oh no, Lord. I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. So Peter plays the, he, he plays the law card. He, he, he wants to bring the law into it. But the funny thing about this, if you read the whole context, is that Peter was staying at a tanner's house. He was at Simon the Tanner, a tanner, someone that, that tans uh, uh, furs. Now, they touched dead animals, which was uh, unclean, and Peter was staying in that home. So he had already broken the law. So Jesus is saying, Peter, what are you talking about? You see, God's way is always right because he never looks at people with bias or prejudice. Peter was not getting the point. He was looking at kosher foods instead of looking at ripe hearts. He forgot what Jesus had told the religious leaders, and Jesus had told the religious leaders because they were, they were, uh, uh, they were talking about the disciples at one time because they didn't wash their hands. And Jesus said, it is not what goes into the mouth or into the stomach that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. You see, Peter was guilty of falling into the trap of the externals while Jesus wanted him to know that God was able to transform you from the inside out. 
And this was something that Peter would struggle with throughout his life. He would struggle with bias. He would struggle with, with prejudice. He would struggle with, uh, with, with wanting to please people. And can I tell you, many of us in here, we struggle with this, and we will continue to struggle with it, but we have to give it to God. How do I know that? Because Peter was confronted by Paul, and Paul wrote about it in Galatians. This was later. The Bible says this. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I, meaning Paul, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could uh, uh, manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church, they joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. But when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady straight course according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all and I said, if you a Jew live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your, on your old Jerusalem cronies? I think Eugene Peterson took a little bit of license, but I like it. Because the reality here is that we act different amongst different people. Amen? And God wants to take us beyond that so that we are open to everybody and so everyone will have an opportunity to find Jesus as their Savior. Pastor, how do I apply this? What do I do? I would say take steps this week to come away from your bias or your prejudice. Take steps this week in other words, action steps to come away from bias and prejudice. And A, ask God to show them to you. How many of you know that God will show you what you're struggling with? Yeah, I'm glad one person's honest right here. He'll show us. He showed Peter. He gave Peter a vision. Think about it. Peter thought everything was great. He, I mean, everyone was saying, you're the great apostle. Miracles are happening through you. And Jesus says, I have... I want you to take a step outside of your box, Peter. And the second thing is, B, allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to confront them. God used Paul to confront Peter, and he will also use someone, or he'll use his word to confront us. You need to be open to it. Can I tell you something? There's, there's, there, there's a bias that you have. Jeff, can I have my water, please? There's a bias that you have. that is keeping you from being everything God wants you to be. And can I tell you, you think you're right. You think you're right. Your emails, they say you're right. And everyone else is wrong. But that right might not be God's right. It might be the person ahead of the, the, that's heading the political affiliation. It may be a person that's ahead of a, a cultural. You know, you can get so 
I get things that want me to be so Mexican that I can't be Christian. I can be so, I can be so much a Mexican that I stop being a Christian. You can be so white that you ain't right. So, so you grab a hold of the fact that, that God's, point number two, God's grace is radically right. God's grace is radical. I sat with uh, someone this past week and we talked about grace. And as we sat there, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong and I said, you know what? I said, grace is always full. God's grace is never half. It's never a quarter. His unmerited favor is complete. Our grace is half. We limit it. Oh, it's okay if. If you do this, if you do it this way, if you act this way, if God's grace is not like that, God's grace is Fool. Paul Bunyan wrote this. He says, Grace can pardon our ungodliness and justify us with Christ's righteousness. It can put the Spirit of Jesus Christ within us. It can help us when we are down. It can heal us when we are wounded. It can multiply pardons as we, through frailty, multiply transgressions. Paul Bunyan wrote the, 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 the book that had more copies than any other book for a long, long, long time except for the Bible, but Purpose Driven Life took the second place. But Paul Bunyan, The Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, John, not, not Paul. Yeah, thank you. I've been saying that all week. You know, Paul Bunyan and his ox, blue... That's my Mexican side coming up. Grace! Give me grace. I got it in my notes, Paul Bunyan. It's John Bunyan. Homeboy don't look like Paul Bunyan, huh? You know, it's so easy for us to embrace God's full extension um, it, full extension of grace, but it's sometimes difficult for us to offer this same grace to others. And that's why the religious leaders, they had such a hard time with Jesus. The Bible says about Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. God's grace will never seem right in our own eyes because it is so radical. God's grace has no limits and has no boundaries while we set guidelines and parameters as people. God's grace does not see color. It doesn't see gender. It doesn't see political affiliation. It doesn't see the neighborhood. It doesn't see ethnicity. It doesn't see your cultural background. God's grace sees your heart. 
God's grace sees your soul. God's grace wraps around your frailty. And it welcomes us into the family. It doesn't even look at a prison record. You know, his grace sees potential when we look at their past. God's grace always looks to the future and washes clean what you've done in the past. His grace is compassionate while we are conditional. God's grace stems from a pure heart while we look with a scarred heart. And can I tell you a lot of times that we look at people through our hearts that have been hurt and we don't offer them what they need because we need our hearts to be healed through Jesus. Peter, uh, he speaks volumes to me. He said, Oh no, Lord, I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. And so the voice came a second time. If God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled back into the skies. Had you noticed that God gave Peter a threefold confirmation? So he could really understand grace. He needed to remember that it was this Jesus who had been in the boat with him in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, and, 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 they, and they caught a, a, a large amount of fish miraculously, and, and Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Oh, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. I am sinful. He, he forgot that it was the same Jesus, the one that poured grace. Jesus did not leave Peter, but Jesus welcomed Peter. And now Peter was saying, oh, no, Lord, I've never tasted anything that's unclean. Jesus said, can I tell you something? You've tasted my goodness of grace. I want you to go share it with the world. I think it speaks to all of us that there's people around us, beloved, that you, you need to stop putting your prejudiced walls up. speaks to me too. I've been going out doing, because I said, let's go into our community. I've been going out into our community, spending some time with people. Can I tell you what happens when you do that? You get stretched. You get stretched. I, I, I recently just got back from San Francisco. I got very stretched. <laughs> we were in Midtown. And so the question that was posed to me is, could I love those? Could I love those individuals that are struggling in a same-sex relationship? Or, that, or l let me put it another way. Well, we, I say they're struggling, but to them they would say, we're not struggling with a same-sex relationship. We actually like it. But could I love them with the love of Christ? See, that's something that, that only grace can accomplish. 
And so we've got people in our communities, they need the grace of God. They don't need judgment. They don't need uh, uh, bias. They don't need those walls built up. We, we need to be a people that break the walls of prejudice and reach people for the kingdom. How do we apply this, Pastor? I would say this. Don't miss God's grace opportunities because you're too set on being right. Let me, let me say this, and most of us in here are pretty good about it, but let me say this to you, okay? How many of you are, in, in, and I'm talking friendships here, I'm not even talking about marriage or anything like that, but how many are you, of you are in multi-ethnic relationships? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can't. If you, if you don't have a friend that's an Hispanic, make a friend that's an Hispanic. If you're, if you're, if you're Anglo, if, if, you're, if you're Hispanic, cross those lines. How about political affiliation? If you're, if you're in here and you're a Democrat, can you be a friend with a Republican? Yes, you can. Because <laughs> if you're saying no right now, that's, that's your right, not God's right. I know. I know. But let me tell you something, oh, you righteous one. <laughs> How are they ever going to hear the gospel? And even more than that, how are they ever going to see the gospel? Can I tell you that the God that I serve is not a, is not a Republican God? He's not a Democrat God? He's not even an independent God. He transcends our political agenda. Okay, so if you, if you don't have, if you, how about gender, okay? If, can, you be, can you friend, and if, can you friend someone or can you, maybe some of us that have struggled with, with gender wars and males are dominant, right? Females are dominant. Can we go beyond that and do something and kind of elevate the other sex and say, you know what, let's really, let's be, let's be intentional about saying, praise God for women. And the women saying, praise God for men. And we need each other, and we need to complement each other, and we need to walk in that. Amen? And, and here's what I believe. I believe that God, that God will, will, he gives us those opportunities, and he'll empower us to, over, to overcome those biases that we have. The Bible says, for by grace, by grace, you have been saved. It doesn't say that you're saved because of what, what you believe politically or what you believe as a culture. It says, by grace, you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift from God. It's not from works, because if someone works, they're going to boast. Right? And they're going to make themselves superior to that. And then it says, we're his workmanship, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We need to be radical with grace, because salvation is full of grace. It's never, it's never full of conditional grace. I love the way that uh, Augustine put it, the, the great church fa father. He said, the law detects, the law will show you that you're a sinner, but grace alone will conquer sin. The law will say that you're falling short, but grace will help you to overcome that. 
Point number three, my last point, God plays no favorites. In Romans 2.11, it says God does not show favoritism. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm honest, when I'm honest, favoritism tries to creep into my life. Because I kind of like it. With, I like hanging out with the people that, you know, that they're, that they're nice and they're not really coming at me and, and, and stabbing me in the back and things. And so you show favor to that, right? To them kinds of people. But the Bible says that God shows no favoritism. And so it speaks to us, and it says, sometimes our right way, it does play favorites, but we should know that when we do, our right way is not God's right way. James, uh, uh, the church father, he said, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. One of the greatest compliments, I've never shared this before at, at, in a service, but this happened about five years ago. It was brought to me about five years ago, and I'm going to share it. One of the greatest compliments that was ever given to this church was a couple that came, and they got together. They were from a very affluent community surrounding us. And they were, they were playing cards with some other people that attended the church. And one of the things that they said to this other couple was, some of those people that attend Living Word Chapel, I would not even let them wash my car. And I listened to them. I listened to them because the, the other couple came and reported it to me. And they said, can you believe that's what they said? I said, that's a wonderful compliment. That's a wonderful compliment. That says that God's in the process of restoring lives from every facet of society. And I feel for their heart. I, I feel for their heart that, that they feel that way. Because I think Jesus would probably wash the car of those people that they say, I won't let them wash my car. Amen? You see, God doesn't play favorites. God loves people in Saddlebrook. He loves them from the ranch. He loves them from, from Vistoso. He loves them. But he also loves people from San Manuel. And he also loves people from Oracle. He loves people from Dudleyville. He loves people from Mammoth. He loves people from Lordsburg. I scratch my head at that, but... He loves people from San Francisco. God doesn't show favorites, and neither should we. You know, P Peter came to this consensus, and I think we need to come to it as well. And he said, it's, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. And you see the exclamation point right there? God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and, and are ready to do what, as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel, 
that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again while he's doing it everywhere and among everyone. And I think that if we can grab a hold of that fact, beloved, if we at LWC, if we can grab a hold of that truth, I think that we will turn our immediate world upside down. So we went and we painted some curbs in San Manuel the last two days, and whoever came up with that idea, someone should hit them. <laughs> it was hot. And some people were not very nice when we went to, do you guys want your curb, the address painted right there? No. Okay. But here's the deal. Can I love those people even when they don't want a good deed done? I need to. Yeah. Is it easy? No. But the, but the Holy Spirit working in us and through us is going to prepare our hearts to be that, those people that are going to go out and love, 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 love people for his glory. Well, Pastor, how do I apply that third point? What do I do? Make the hard choice to move beyond. Move beyond the people you favor. The ones you favor most to those who will stretch you in sharing your faith. I like David Platt. I like him and I don't. I love him as a brother. He's a great brother in Christ, but he will, he speaks it like it is. He doesn't mince words. Very strong about going out and reaching people. And he said this in, in his book, uh, Radical. He said, if we, were left to our, if, if, if we were left to ourselves with the task of taking the gospel to the world, we would immediately begin planning innovative strategies and plotting elaborate schemes. We would organize conventions, develop programs, and create foundations. But Jesus is so different from us. With the task of taking the gospel to the world, he wandered through the streets and the byways, and all he wanted was a few men who would think as he did, who would love as he did, who would see as he did, teach as he did, and serve as he did. All he needed was to re revolutionize, I got stuck there, the hearts of a few and then they would impact their world. Can I tell you something, beloved? God wants to work in our hearts. He wants to take all of the bias, all of the prejudice, all of those things that hinder us from reaching people around us, and for us to put Jesus there and let Jesus permeate out of our lives. What if this week you, you and I made a choice to go beyond our bias and prejudice and extend Jesus' radical grace to the people around us? What if we made a choice not to play favorites just because some may act the way that we want them to act or dress the way that we want them to dress or talk the way that we want them to talk? What if Jesus showed up and we were empowered by the Holy Spirit and we made a difference in their life? 
I think we have to remember that our right way is not always God's right way. Let's pray. Father, forgive me for thinking my ways are always right. Today I've learned from your word that my ways are not right when they're not centered on Christ. And I choose to relinquish my stubborn thinking and my biased preferences for your grace-led attitude and lifestyle. Let me see all people like you see them. Through the lens of the cross of Jesus. Lord, you see potential when I see their past mistakes. You provide transformation while I scream judgment. You offer them love when I offer them condemnation. So today I yield my heart to you, Jesus. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can extend the love of God to a world who so desperately needs it. I choose to be an agent of change for your glory. And I pray this and we pray this together in the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.